Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here, bringing you another episode of the Rad Dad Show. Recently, I had a chance to sit down with Brian Walsby, who many of you probably know as a legendary punk rock artist. Well, Brian's also a drummer, playing in bands like Scared Straight, Snake Nation, and Patty Duke Syndrome. He's worked on the road for a long time with the Melvins, selling merch, and he's also an author. He's released a series of comic books called Manchild, as well as a book of interviews with punk rockers and other friends called self Punishment, And that's available through Pelicanesis, and we'll throw up links to that on social media. But most importantly, he's a dad. Brian's been pretty open on his social media accounts about his experiences as a parent. So I knew it was time to get him on the show to dig into that more. Brian has one daughter, Willow who has Down syndrome and autism, and we chat a bit about some of the unique aspects of parenting a child with special needs. He's also a stepdad to Belle, and we discuss how blended families can also introduce some interesting wrinkles. I really want to thank Brian again, right off the top, for being so open with us. We know it's important for dads out there to hear about different definitions of family, including things from divorce, co-parenting, blended families, to addressing what it's like to have a child with special needs. We all have different situations, and one of the things I love about working on this show is getting to hear from listeners how much they get out of hearing some of their idols or people they look up to, what they're going through, and they're having some of the same experiences that that I am. Anyway, all that being said, we really felt the love in this episode, and that all comes from Brian, so thanks again, man. Without further delay, let's get right to it. Here's Brian Walsby on The Rad Dad Show. Perfect. Thanks for for, uh, asking me to be a part of this. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Brian, for for coming to join us on the Rad Dad Show. Um, I've, you know, obviously followed your work for a number of years, and um, I guess you've been pretty open about your your experience of parenting, maybe more so than some other people on on social media. And so I thought I'd really love a chance to, to chat with you and get you on the show. So thank you so much for for coming. I'm, I'm going to maybe start for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with who you are by asking, who are you? Well, my name is Brian uh, Walsby. Um, I'm 55 years old. Um, I originally grew up in Southern California. Um, I was um, in the early to mid eighties. I was a nerdy kid that had no friends that liked music a lot and liked to draw uh, all kinds of stuff and I soon was sort of tipped off to the world of um, underground I guess for a lack of better words punk rock music or but you know it was just underground rock music uh, not necessarily just punk rock there was like an underground um, pre-metallica makes it big sort of heavy metal world that I kind of ran hand in hand with the punk rock world and um, I was like well I can be a part of this you know all I have to do is learn how to write letters and got some records got some early issues of magazines back then like Flipside from Los Angeles. So how did that happen um, like how did you get hooked up that you kind of mentioned writing letters so you just wrote letters into these magazines and and bands and stuff and said I can I can do some some work for you? Exactly, exactly. Like Flipside and Maximum Rock and Roll were Bibles as far as uh, people leaving their addresses. You know, every town had a band, every town had a promoter, yeah. every town had somebody with a zine, you know, and it was a really small universe, but it was 
pretty clear to see that uh, it's very easy to tap into that. But it was it was really small, and um, that kind of world was sort of like uh, it was pretty much the lifeblood of all that stuff because that's how people communicated. Right. If you wanted to find out about all that stuff, you had to pick up a magazine or a fanzine or write to somebody or go to a show or you know it was it, it, and it was a welcoming kind of thing you know obviously i'm sure you've talked to people that have said well it was way before the internet and um but yeah it was it was yeah. um and it seems kind of impossible to imagine life now yeah without these things Definitely. that we're, we're we're kind of slaves to even if they have benefited us which you know they have obviously um but it was it was pretty easy to uh find out about it but it was so small, you know, it wasn't like you couldn't find out about it. It just wasn't on everybody's radar. And, right. you know, so um, it was like stepping into a whole new world, basically. And my story is no different than most other people, I'm sure. You know, they probably felt like they were a weirdo or, you know, some dweeb or whatever. And, and meanwhile, here's all this cool stuff and you can be a part of it. All you have to do is participate. Right. And that's what I kind of figured out pretty easy. And then I started drawing really crude, horrible, <laughs> well-meaning, but very enthusiastic things. And people responded, and, and that was neat. And I just started meeting people and um, making friends, you know. It, it, it was like post-high school. Like um, I don't know what your high school life was like, but uh, I don't remember any of my high school like none of it. I, I fucking I remember a few people, and I remember meeting people after high school yep. that I would end up playing with. Uh, this guy Scott Rudinsky. Yep. Uh, I'm sure you probably know who Scott is. Yeah. We were in a band together called Scared Straight. Right. And that was back in Simi Valley. I just talked to him the other day actually because I interviewed him. Right. I saw. Um, yeah. Part two of your your interview with him was. Just yeah, we're we're still we're still really good friends. Um, you know, we don't talk all the time, but, you know, uh, you know, it's nice, you know? Yeah. And um, so I remember him, you know, I, I don't really remember a lot of high school stuff. So it was almost like life got more exciting after discovering this world of crazy underground music and meeting people through that. And I, I honestly do not remember almost nothing about my high school. That's hilarious. That's kind of weird. Cause some people remember everything about their high school. I remember none of it. Of course, it was a really long time ago, too. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I kind of got into the kind of things. And then I started doing album covers. And yep. I also play drums, too. So I've had sort of a, I wouldn't call it a career, but um, an alternative method of doing things for a while now. And uh, a while ago, the artistic stuff definitely went out. And I've been self-employed for like, you know, maybe eight years now. And uh failure is not an option and i just keep plugging away and right. along the way i you know um had a daughter right so so you're a dad so that i'm a dad i've been a dad she's uh her name is willow and she's 10 years old and i'm also kind of an old dad you know um i didn't have you know i didn't become a father as a young person so um, and I'm kind of used to that now, you know, it, but it is kind of weird. Some people have kids when they're like pretty young and they might even still be with, uh, hopefully with the, uh, 
mom that they uh, conceived the child with or whatever, you know, um, my story was pretty different than uh, some other people's stories, I would imagine. Maybe not everybody, but some people. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were kind of talking before we got started here, like, you know, that's um, something you've been pretty open about is your kind of story and your situation. And so maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. And, uh, you know, okay. when, when, when you had Willow, you know, what changed, what's that experience been like? We, we typically will ask the question, like, you know, what changed when you became a dad? Well, it was Willow's existence was probably the first situation where I realized what love was, you know, before that, um, I don't think I really understood that too well, you know. Um, I grew up um, being, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it. I grew up, uh, you know, this nerdy kid that didn't have a lot of life experience. So I had all these noble ideas about love and romance and eventually parroting. You know, I listened to too many Descendants records and took that to heart. And then when you get out, when you get, yeah. Well, you know, like you and me both. The first Descendants record's a very noble kind of record of, you know, this is what I believe love and romance is. Yeah. But you have no life experience, you know. And I remember like listening to things like that, the Buzzcocks and whatever. And yeah. Being, well, when I get, when I actually have sex and date and do all that stuff, I'm going to know what to do. You know, and I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I had to make all the mistakes that everybody else did. And I also had, you know, kind of low self-esteem, I guess. So that probably made me decide to do certain things that um, eventually I grew out of, even though it took a long time, you know. Um, but at the time that Willow came around, um, you know, her mother and me, we, we just didn't really... We didn't really get along very well, really, ultimately. Okay. And, uh, you know, having a child with somebody that you maybe aren't supposed to be with or vice versa is kind of a lousy Band-Aid for a, a not particularly great relationship. And it turned out that we learned right away that she was going to have Down syndrome okay. before she was born. So that puts more pressure on an already not great situation. Right. But I think uh, and that was presented to me. And I think I took maybe 10 minutes and just went, you know, fine. You know, like, yep. because we went and saw a doctor. And then when we explained to the doctor that we were going to keep Willow, I always remember this. The doctor said, well, you made a very unpopular decision. And he wasn't saying that like he was judging us or saying that what we were doing was bad. He was just surprised and just said, oh, because, you know, apparently... People. When that happens, maybe some people decide they just don't want to take the chance and see what happens and, and see um, see it through. I guess that's the nicest way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and then when Willa was born, I basically fell in love with her. You know, she's this tiny, cute little porcelain doll kind of thing. And, and, and you know... And even though my relationship with your mom didn't last too much longer, I mean, we, we kind of ended things when Willow was a year and a half. Um, Willow really was the first, you know, she was cute and helpless. And we had no idea, you know, neither parent had yeah. any idea what was going to happen, you know. So it was like, 
always remember the doctor saying that because I just remember thinking, well, you know, I can't really be a party to, um, you know, to get to killing my taking part, killing my, my daughter, my eventual daughter, you know, and also she had a heart issues. So when she was six months old, she had to have open heart surgery. Wow. So that was nuts. So, you know, like really both parents went through a lot of stuff in a short amount of time, you know, but we both had differences that just couldn't be rectified or whatever. So it was just best to co-parent and just move on with our lives independently. So that, is pretty much what happened to me until about three years ago when I met my partner, Kristen. And, you know, so life is completely different. But the time before that, when Lola was a year and a half, it was just about me just being in love with my daughter and just, you know, um, just uh, whatever I was doing was just me trying to keep her happy, yeah. you know, just make happy even though sometimes that isn't always the best thing you know in a situation like right. that but um so that's kind of the situation and um now you know we, we've gone to all kinds of different schools she was in a nice school a good fit for her finally it was like her in a classroom with five other boys little boys that had autism and okay. she loved it and then the pandemic started yeah. and everything went on the toilet. So, like, she had a speech therapist, and that went down the toilet, too. Um, the diagnosis of her having autism happened about seven months ago. So, so um, mid-pandemic. Mid-pandemic, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I don't know, it explained a lot of things, you know. I mean, so now we're just kind of, the idea now is I'm just, keeping her safe when she's with me right and um having sort of a schedule for her a little schedule even though you know it's hard to have a schedule yes at times so yeah my experience is definitely definitely uh a little different but you know i don't really think about it i'm i'm just i'm so used to doing it you know sleep's weird you know she has weird sleep patterns whatever and through it all i i just I draw her. I do all these little things to champion my daughter. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of her, but I'm not really proud of her because she's doing anything. I'm just proud of her because I'm proud of her. You know. Yeah, that's it's I, a, an amazing. Um, like if I just kind of like step back on some of the things you said, like going back to before you had children, you kind of talked about like once you had Willow, you kind of learned what love was. I think that that's like a. a yeah almost I'm going to say universal kind of thing um, you know that that we can all connect on as parents almost I know it's not every single parent maybe feels that way but it's just this feeling you have never known before right and and so how amazing to look back and for you obviously that memory was very poignant about having that conversation with the doctor when you know tests come back and you're faced with a decision like I mean you could never you know, you could never imagine making the other decision now, right? Like it's just so no, no, I, I, it never, it never even occurred to me to do something like that. You know, yeah. and luckily her mom felt the same way. Yeah, and, and you know, I, you know, I, I just couldn't. And I'm not judging other people for whatever yeah. they decide. You know, I, I, I wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty bizarre but i remember like i said i, I kind of made peace with the whole thing like in like literally 
10 minutes or an hour or something, something. I was just like, you know, and then they gave us all this, um, like stuff to read about. Imagine planning to go to, to Europe, but you go to India instead. That's when you find out your kid has some sort of disability. Oh, interesting. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's kind of a weird way to put it, but I guess they're trying to make it the most relatable thing you can say about it. But yeah. you know, I, um, yeah, she just kind of taught me what love is, and I'm just kind of used to Willow being Willow. You know, I don't I don't look at Willow and think there's Willow, my child with disabilities. I just think that's that's my daughter, and I love her, and she loves me, and she loves everybody in her family. You know, and you know, sleepless nights here and there, whatever. You know, it's it's no big deal. You know, um, the only thing that's weird, of course, is when I have her. I have her. I don't really. Do, do a whole lot other than have her. And then when I don't have her, and the rest of her family does, then I, that's when I work and sleep and yeah. uh, be self-employed. So, you know, it all kind of works out. Yeah, you kind of, I mean, that's your schedule. That's your reality. That's how it works for, for you guys. And right. that's how you make it work, right? I mean, we, we've kind of talked with other dads on the show before too who, especially you know talk with musician dads who are touring for you know six months out of the year or whatever and talk about how they make that work and kind of everybody has their own situation they have to make work and that's what works for you guys exactly that's it so me and Kristen, you know we we uh we'll have her half the time and then sometimes we get Kristen's daughter down here and the two girls get along really well Kristen. Oh, that's great her, her daughter's name is Belle, and Belle's like a really sweet, smart, like six-year-old girl that's super creative, kind of like her mom. She's like learning how to play piano, and she's really into Grant Hart and Dale Crover and wow. likes to cardiacs now, or cardiacs, excuse me. And, you know, she's definitely a chop-off. You know, she's a lot like her mom, and she's really funny and super, well, she's kind of super advanced, really. And she loves Willow unquestionably. And, and so having both of them around for me is like awesome. You know, I, even during the pandemic, like she was with us for four months last year, I think. And it was just, I really liked it. I really liked it. And also with Belle, there's just certain things I can do with her that I can't do with Willow. Doesn't mean anything other than just that, you know, yeah. like I can crack a sarcastic, like Belle's like six years old, but you would think she's 12 if you right. heard her so and they you know they really it's like they're like sisters um it's really nice you know so that's that that's been a nice little thing we don't get her all the time um that's a whole other situation but you know again that's our schedule and that's how we make it work and we just deal with things as they come and i just work around everything and um i was i went on tour with uh the Melvins for like I had a job for ten years, right? Selling merchandise, and I don't think that's going to be happening anymore. Um, toward the end of last year, also, it just seemed pretty obvious that since Willow is starting to change, that you know, even the idea of me like leaving, not not necessarily for the Melvins, but for anybody, you know, that's just not going to. Be something I can make I can make work anymore. Right. So um, 
you know, so I, I don't really envision any of that stuff because everything is kind of has been changing in the pandemic and everything. No, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the pandemic as far as people that are musicians go. Right. But, um, you know, for right now, this is what's going on and it works. And, you know, just being a dad when I'm a dad and then when I'm not a dad, I just work and um, I still want to play drums again yeah. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just a weird life of a creative person that seems to have kind of a less structured um, sort of situation than some other dads, I think. Do. Yeah. And I... And then I just try to make it work within that. And right. That's all I can do. It's a, you know, the last year in particular has basically just thrown everything on its head, but especially for certain, you know, I'm going to say uh, professions or careers or, or, or paths. Yeah. Musicians and artists being one of them, right? Where like that, that's your bread and butter. Things have to be going on, you, you know, in order to, to make it work. So you kind of have to work around that. I mean, we've seen some creative ways to, you know, get things going, lots of cool merch things happening, some live streams and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I'm really glad. I, I feel bad for you know, my musician friends out there. Yeah. And uh, everything I do is basically centered around music anyway, even if it's art. So it's like, it's still tied in, but I am kind of glad that uh, I'm not a musician. Anyway, <laughs> you know, um, and strangely enough, things have been like, you know, last year was, was actually pretty good you know um in some ways nothing changed so i did just fine um drawing stuff for people when they wanted it yep. and um getting work that way so um if i can just keep that going no matter what happens i'll be fine i think right so yeah. brian you're a you're a dad you're a stepdad um yeah you're an artist you're an author you yeah. got lots going on i you know yeah. we we talked about a little bit um how y you've shared stories about your your experience as a dad through social media we're chatting today yeah. i can really feel you know the the love and <laughs> dedication you have for your kids um do you, maybe i'll ask you so this is the rad dad show do you consider yourself okay. a rad dad well um not really I, maybe i've done some rad things whatever but um occasionally I, I've, I've done some rad things, I guess. I mean, you know, um, because my situation is so weird and because it's kind of more unique than other people. Um, I think it's, I mean, just the fact that I'm trying to champion Willow and, and um, not through any kind of ways like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really a part of a lot of, uh, I don't have a community surrounded by uh, people that have other kids with Down syndrome or whatever, but because I'm always just drawing stuff with Willow and I made her like part of the, yeah. you remember the Misfits Fiend Club thing? I did Miss Willow Fiend Club. Somebody that. told me that I'll go. And I made stickers and this, you know, um, some people have been really touched by some of my stories and they've let me know because they've had, they have children in the similar their, their parents in a similar situation. Other people just, I guess they just think she's cute and pretty and it cheers them up to see uh, um, little videos or just yeah. things that she, that she does. And so I, I guess in that regard, I, I guess I must be 
kind of rad, I guess. But I, I'm not doing it, you know, I'm not thinking about doing it to, you know, get brownie points. I'm just yeah. trying to communicate a little bit about what it's kind of like, you know. And because uh, ultimately it doesn't really matter what, what's going on as far as what she has to deal with, you know. Um, and I'm sure other people that have kids that have disabilities feel the same way. You know, you just you just get on with things. Um, so I think that's pretty rad. And also, I you know, I've, I've met some people that are parents that I, I don't I don't have parent solidarity. Like I don't really think that because somebody's a parent that means I have to. Oh well, if you're a parent, I'm a parent. We should get along. Or <laughs> you know, some parents really fucking suck. You know, yeah. the way and the way they treat their children. Um, which has nothing to do with disabilities or not. Just, you know, not everybody should be a parent. It's, it's a tough job. You know, it's really it hard. Um, and when you have kids, it's like your world just changes dramatically, not just because of how you feel, but how you, when you deal with other people that um, you might used to be friends with, you know, there's been people that once you have kids, it's like you're dead to them or, or, or you know, it's like, they also think that you're so busy that maybe you wouldn't want to see them or still be friends with them. And anything, you know, it's that, that's the time when you need people, when you have like a, a year, uh, a year old child or a two year old child. And it's like you and your partner, wife, whatever, and you're drowning and maybe you're, you don't live near where other, uh, you know, where your, your parents are, if your parents are lucky enough to still be around. Um, so that's another aspect of being a parent is like, uh, you know, being a parent is almost like if you like to drink a lot and then quit drinking and go into bars, you, you kind of find out who really kind of has your back ultimately. <laughs> yeah. And usually the people that have your back aren't like scene orientated punk rock musician, go to the bar types. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you, you, just kind of, you, you just kind of find that out. And, you know, it, it was like when Willow was born, I might as well have moved to Mars. Right. You know, and uh, I think that used to bother me a little bit. And then I just kind of got used to it because everyone, you know, everyone's busy. You know, if you have a kid, everyone's busy, you know. Um, and when you get older, you're, you're just busy with life and stuff like that. So I don't try to take it personally anymore. But for a while there, especially when um, Willow was like three or four and it was just me and her, I would try to do stuff with other people. And it was just hard. And, you know, because everyone's busy, you know, yeah. life, life seems to be so much more accelerated now. So, um, so that was, that was kind of weird. Well, but, you, you kind of like, I asked you the question, do you consider yourself a rad dad? A lot of people are reluctant to answer that, right? It feels like it's not the humble thing to do or whatever, but I, like, I think the show, so we, yeah. it's called the rad dad show. We like, it kind of has two meanings, I think. And that's why we like to ask that question. So one being, we kind of try and interview who we think are, are rad. Maybe they're musicians or artists or whoever. Um, and, and to us, that's cool. Um, but you've, you've identified, I think what probably the, the deeper meaning is, is there's more to it than that, to being a rad dad. And so maybe I'll put that back on you. You've kind of hinted at it before, but what do you think being a rad dad is? You kind of indicated some people aren't meant for it. So, oh. so what are those traits oh, yeah. to you? Well, just, loving your child and just being there for them and trying to guide them. And, you know, like, mother was never going to drive a car. She's never going to be independent. 
And, you know, I'm fine with that. You know, that's another thing I made peace with, you know, so I'm, so my experience as a dad is going to be something that ultimately is going to be way different than some other people, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be there for her. That doesn't mean that she doesn't love me unquestionably or vice versa. You know, in her own way, I know she does when she puts her little arms around me and licks my face and says, meow and, and right. points at the couch and ordering me to sit down or whatever, you know, like, um, you know, um, and I guess when I say that other people, well, I mean, but that's that's a given. I mean, everybody has stories about friends or maybe even their parents that, you know, parents try their best. And, you know, I don't think not, when I say not every, everybody should be a parent, I, I think that, um, I don't think, I, I don't feel like I'm saying that maliciously. I think people also find out that maybe it's, going to be a lot harder to be a parent than they thought you know a lot harder especially if you're like you got to be unselfish for starters and it's hard to be a parent when you're 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 selfish we're not even getting into people that have problems with anxiety or like you know what if your dad was an alcoholic or um like my my parents tried their very best but we we had really no guidance because they were wrapped up in their own especially my dad my dad had anxiety and i don't think he particularly wanted to be a parent at the age he was at and he went through a lot of shit very quickly as a, as a young adult and i have a lot of he he passed a few years ago i I'm have sorry. a lot more empathy oh that's okay well you know it's going to happen to everybody um i have a lot more empathy now for somebody like that like my dad because i don't think anybody really sets out to be a lousy parent you know but it takes some people longer than others to uh um decide how they're gonna be a parent you know like if you're gonna put aside a bunch of stuff your own desires and wants that's gonna help but if you're not prepared to do that kind of stuff you know it's it's gonna be weird so um i i think i'm I think I'm pretty rad, I guess, <laughs> as a parent. You well, know? Do, do you, like, do you, you kind of touched on your dad. Do you, do you reflect on your relationship with your dad and how your dad was as a parent um, and apply that at all to, to your parenting, whether you're, you know, imitating certain things or, or going completely against that? Like, how does that going, factor in Well, going completely against it, you know, and, you know, my dad, bless his heart he tried but he again he was um he had a lot of anxiety and he just kind of, i don't think he really wanted to be a father to three little boys before he was in his 30s and you know his parents got sick pretty young there's a lot of pressure and stuff i'm a lot more mindful of that pressure now because uh you know i mean it was so late in the game when i became a parent and people like I don't know about your parents, but my parents got married when they were really young and had kids when they were really young. And that's just something that a lot of people just don't do anymore, you know, or there's a a lot more mixed sort of family situations or whatever. I don't really apply a whole lot for my dad. I just have more empathy for, for my dad because I don't think anybody really sets out to be a neglectful person or parent. I think people just have things that they're born with and they have to just deal with them. And um, that's sort of what I, what I feel like um, when I think about my dad, I just feel a lot more empathy 
for my my father instead of uh, I mean I was never really angry at him, um, but uh, I think for I have two other brothers and I think for my little brother at least he's been a good role model of what not to do. But you know again when you have no life experience you end up possibly doing some of the same things. So I think he did a few of the same things in his decisions too, just because you. You know, not everybody who comes out into the world knows exactly what to do in terms of relationships or any of that kind of stuff. It takes a while to figure that out. And people like my dad, when they did all that stuff, they did it at a very young age. And that's just not as common now. People don't have sure. children, you know, and that was what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have it all figured out when you're like 20 years old. Yeah. And some that's people stick it out. And, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy because I, I don't think people would do that now. Now you have people having kids much later in the game. And, um, you know, a lot of it also is circumstance. You know, if you get somebody pregnant and you both agree to be a parent, then you're going to be a parent yeah. regardless of what happens, you know. And that seems to be <laughs> that seems to be how children are, are uh, coming to this world. Well, I think, you know, I think some... Oh, yeah, ahead. no, sorry to interrupt you. Um, I, like, I think you... I feel like you hit the nail on the head, like, you know, a common thread, regardless of whether you become a parent when you're 20 or 45, um, is dealing with that kind of like shift in selfishness, right? You talked about selfishness, not everybody's um, maybe as adaptable to kind of moving away from that, but that is almost like an essential characteristic that you need to become self-aware of that, like, Absolutely. It can't all be yeah, about yeah. me anymore. And that's not to say you need to like sh- shut your whole life down and, and make it just about your kid, but. Yeah. But you have to like, I mean, having a kid is a, how many children do you have? So I have, I have two girls. I have a, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. lot. That's a lot every day, yeah. every day. So you probably have a, something worked out with your, your wife or partner where you, okay, I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And then at some point we'll switch and then you can do this. And then you watch them while I do this. And then it's, it's a lot and it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it really, yeah, it's a lot. Being a parent is fucking a whole lot of work, you know? So, um, yeah, you know, it's, I forgot why I asked you that or what we were talking about before. We, we were talking about, that. um, that's that uh, selfishness aspect of like that. Uh, I guess that yeah, that new sort of like wave that hits you where you can't be sort of all about yourself anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but you know, in a weird way, it's kind of nice not to have it all be about yourself. You know, you um, yep. to be self-absorbed, you know, is not necessarily a bad thing. Or <laughs> just being self-absorbed in the two hours you're allowed to be self-absorbed yeah. in. Because you have responsibilities and, you know, um, I don't know anything any different at this point, you know, um, so. Well, it's part, kind of part of what what our aim is, too, with Rad Dads is, so one of our, our big things is positive parenting. And so one of the key ways we've kind of tried to um, encourage that is through support for dads and just sort of like, you know, the podcast is one way we do that. We communicate, you hear stories of other dads, because I think like, I don't know what your experience was. You kind of touched on it a bit earlier that like in the first couple of years, you didn't have a whole lot of people around helping out, maybe giving advice, sharing stories, even just like to hear, you know, I'm having a shitty day and that's, you know, someone to say that's normal. Like that's a normal thing. And 
That's part of totally that is, annoying. yeah, what we try try to accomplish here is um, you don't kind of have to feel alone, you know. And so hopefully that can help transition some of those feelings and and behaviors when you're especially become a new parent. Oh yeah, like um, like even just the whole nature of this show. I mean, just like I've only watched one interview so far. You know, I might have watched. Did you guys interview Bill Stevenson? So we did. It wasn't a video interview, but yeah, I talked to Bill at the okay. Blasting Room 25th anniversary. Okay, well, awesome. well I, I felt like maybe um, I'm supposed to interview him tomorrow for my thing. Oh, really? Kind of excited about Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be um, just to hear stories from people like him and, and well, you know, Milo, anybody, you know. Um, it, it kind of makes you feel less alone yep. as as a parent, regardless of the situation you're in. And, you know, it's just cool. You know, like, um, there was like a movie that came out. I forgot the name of it. I want to say the other. It was kind of okay. I had people on it, that, like uh, the singer. I've never even heard this band. Was it the other um, F word? Yeah, the guy yeah, from Pennywise. Anyway, I've, yeah. never, I've never even heard that. I have no idea what they were like. But they're talking to him and stuff. And he was like the centerpiece of the movie because yep. I guess he the book that it was based off of. Yeah. But I don't know anything about that guy, but I was like, well, that's kind of a rough deal. But at the same time, you know, it looked like he had a good situation. And, and even though touring is exhausting in a rock band and, and you do have to sacrifice stuff, but that's your job. Then, you know, that's your job. Um, you know, that watching that was kind of interesting because, um, Everybody had a very different story, and there were a lot of other people in there that had stories about a, a abusive parents and yep. grow, growing away from that and, and applying the opposite of that for their situations when they had children. And you know, I didn't really have that. I I, I had well-meaning parents that just didn't have a lot of guidance and that had their own problems. But I, we were it was never like an abusive. Um, situation right it was just more neglectful situation and i noticed in that movie there was more than a handful of people that had pretty brutal um upbringings i guess but yeah stuff like that's great you know like um there should be like a thousand things for people that are parents they don't they don't give you a guidebook you know no. you can read all all the stuff that's out there like how to be a good parent but you know, you're going to make mistakes and you just have to get in there and just do the best you can and uh, with what you got and hopefully build on that. And that's really all you can do, you know. And the results are, you know, even though my situation's kind of tough at times or whatever, I wouldn't trade anything, you know. I wouldn't trade my daughter or the experiences or... Yeah now that she gets she has like a new little sister some of the time right i wouldn't trade any of that you know um but yeah it's being a parent's tough being, being a parent in the best the best of times is already tough as shit yeah you know it, it, no matter what it's 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 a lot of work and it's rewarding but yeah it's hard you know so you kind of talked a little bit earlier about how you haven't necessarily like you know found a kind of group of maybe parents experiencing some of the same things as you in terms of maybe having a special needs kid and and sharing some of those experiences but I wonder 
um, and this is just my observation, like through your social media, and you kind of talked about it before that you, you kind of sharing some of your um, experiences with Willow, some, maybe some of the challenges. I know the other day you wrote a post about kind of going for a walk and you're behind a group of people and that was really stressful. And like, it's, it's horrible. It was horrible. It was like, yeah, it was horrible because it's like, you feel so angry at these, these moms and their children who are just doing a normal thing. But it's like, you know, children, it goes back to the whole parent, parent solidarity thing. I don't really feel parental solidarity. You know, I, I just yeah. don't. And I, and it's, it's not their fault, but you know, but they're not going to understand that Willow's going to want to reach out and, and, you know, getting their shit or whatever. And, you know, the pandemic, whatever, but I was, yeah, I was so angry about all that. Yeah. And I, I know that's ridiculous, well, but at the same I can't help it. It's not like, I, I, I think we all have those kinds of feelings too at different times um, where we feel like, you know, people aren't understanding our situation and aren't um, sympathetic to our situation. Right. And, like is right. part of is part of why you share that to kind of create that dialogue, or is it just purely I just want to share it's, this? Like, it's well, yeah, it's kind of like it's weird to talk about your own personal life because sometimes I'm very unflinching about it, you know. Like, but other times um, I'm not so much unflinching about sharing stuff like that because that is going to resonate with some people for sure, and it's not like pity party self-absorbed you know dr dramatic bullshit it's just this is just a daily occurrence so what would happen if i take willow to a public place you know um and actually since i started you know because i've always drawn willow and talked a little about about her and taken cute pictures or whatever but i've never really i've shared that but i've never really until the last two weeks some of the posts you were talking about i've never really delved into what it's actually really like to have a kid that now has autism as well as down syndrome you know so and it's just me sharing that and since i started doing that i've gotten more personal responses from from people that are parents to people that have autism and you know little kids and stuff like that yeah. and it's been a good thing because i am sharing some of these experiences and i'm not sharing them for sympathy or to show the world how great I am. I'm just sharing them because I just think, well, I want to share it, but also somebody out there might get something from it and they might feel a little less alone, which is always a good thing, you know? And the only thing that's weird about sharing stuff on social media is that, you know, I don't, I have a lot of time to be on there and try to promote my artwork and stuff like that. And, and that's like a necessary evil. And, I have slightly less time answering everybody and, you know, I'm, I need to be better about that. But um, the response has been more immediate since I started actually talking about what it's like to have a really erratic sleep schedule yeah. with a 10 year old or, um, you know, going out in the middle of a pandemic and being horribly worried about her because, you know, of her condition and also because she had open heart surgery you know right. she might be more vulnerable the whole coronavirus thing seems to be really uh random as far as why it affects certain people yeah. like almost yeah. nothing and why it kills other people instantly and that's like a game of russian roulette i just don't want to don't want to play and i certainly don't want to play it with with my daughter or anybody you know anybody else you know 
So, um, yeah, just sh- sharing is, you know, it's good. And, and it's, it goes beyond like, I mean, I'm going to champion my kid the way anybody would champion their kid, I guess, but I'm not shy about it. And, you know, there is, I guess, some sort of a meaning behind it, but I'm not really thinking actively like, this is going to look really good when I, I'm just, this is part of what I deal with. Yeah. It's my life. I mean, you know, um, it's just how it goes, you know. I'm not saying that it's cooler or better or worse or anything. It's just my experience being a being a dad until until uh, I guess I die. <laughs> you know, so that that's that's pretty much it. You right. Know? Well, I think I think you know we we kind of we definitely agree on on that. Like I, I I've definitely found through you know doing some of these interviews uh, sharing those and some of the feedback that we get from people who listen, like it's good to just talk. And I think this is, you know, we to connect back to our conversation about um, dads, maybe um, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. I really don't think those conversations were happening back at that time. You have to wonder if some of that, you know, neglect or abuse or, you know, selfishness could could some of that been addressed just through kind of talking with your fellow dad and saying, Oh, I had a shitty day today. This or this happened, you know? Well, other people have said this, but, and this is maybe not completely true, but a lot of times men don't really talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I can't really say that and mean that hundred percent, but you know, especially back then, like my parents, maybe your parents, certainly other people my age, they're, you know, their parents, um, yeah, they probably didn't really think that they could talk about their problems or issues or whatever. And, you know, mental health is always, yeah. you know, it, it's something that um, usually gets brushed aside. You're just supposed to be a man and deal with it or whatever. And, you know, plenty of people have been told that. Um, times are a lot different now. Um, it just seems really hard to imagine people going out and doing the same things now that they did in 1955 or whatever, or 1960. Like, okay, you meet somebody, you get married right away, you have children right away, then you figure it out. Yeah. You know, um, that's, a, that's a lot of pressure to put on a couple of young people that may maybe don't belong to be, belong together. And they're doing these serious adult things. And that's certainly where, where my parents came in from i mean they that was the generation they were from and i i see a lot less of that yeah. uh these days i mean i mean there's something really kind of cute about sticking sticking it out with somebody and doing all these things you really don't want to do within being miserable for the rest of your life but it doesn't really seem like a really good idea you know um but i think people were more willing to do those kind of things back then because that was just the time of it and that's why you probably end up with a lot of you know broken homes and um people turning to whatever they turn to for coping like whether right. it's drinking or you know um yeah so it, it's definitely i have a lot i have a lot more empathy for uh my father and people like that yeah. that just went ahead and did all these things with another young woman their wife and you know some people knew right away that they're meant to be together and then other people i think 
um, just do these things because that's what they think they have to do. Yeah. And that sort of reminds me of uh, some people back then that decided to do all that stuff. Right. You know? It's it's a lot. I mean, it's it's really a lot. And um, I think when I was younger, I was a little less understanding of that and maybe more judgmental. Because it's kind of hard to look at your parents as people that have problems too. For sure. Yeah, that's a, I mean, totally. As you get older, um, you you start to understand some of the things that kind of made your parents tick or whatever. You kind of, and, and maybe you don't uh, identify with it, but you can kind of empathize or, or uh, sympathize with it or understand maybe how hard that must have been for them, even if it was stuff that, you know, you don't agree with. And it's funny, we're talking about Bill Stevenson. He's a good example. I don't know how much you followed, you know, the songs he well, wrote about I, his I, dad. Uh, I, yeah, I know about his situation with his dad. And I, I got filmage and stuff. And yeah. I know he had a very uh, interesting relationship with his father. And I think he talks about how his mom was, uh, had some problems too. And, you know, um, yeah. What's the song, Stevens? On the Steve's Lemonheads, boy, yeah. Right? He's boy. And then uh, One More Day. Yeah. I love Bill's songs. It's just too bad that he has to wait for something horrible to happen before <laughs> one gets written. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or come to him in a dream. Yeah, I'm going to ask him something about that tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, his, his songs always really cut to the bone. For sure they you know, do. For sure. One of the greatest songwriters ever, for sure, in my books. He's so great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask him about the song "Make Believe" tomorrow. Oh, the all song "Believe." Yeah. You know about that one. Yeah, that's that's a brutal song. Maybe I won't ask him about it. I guess we'll see. Anyway, sorry. No, the you know what the the whole tail end of that album is hard hitting, right? Like those those are some kind of heavy songs on that. The kind of the last five songs on that album. Yeah, I like the fact that they as they age, their lyrical concerns age with them. Yeah. That's a lot better to me than like pretending that you're 20 years old forever. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of, I'm sure you've seen a lot of like uh, pushback on them over their last few tracks they've released and people saying like, you know, why don't they just like stick to what they're good at and get, stay out of politics. And it's like, this is, they've always been a political band, first of all, but this is what they care about right now. That's what they're writing about. Oh yeah. As far as that, like uh, I, I drew a whole bunch of stuff as the the pandemic unfolded and as our uh, idiot ex president, you know how we reacted to it. That that was pretty much what made me decide. I, I felt compelled to do that. Maybe not for the first time, but you know, he's easy to bash. But <laughs> yeah. he did. But he did nothing about that. And if he had actually done anything about it, or even pretended to, he probably would have won. You know, because and his detractors would have said, well, at least he actually did something. He didn't do shit. And uh, I'm glad what happened, you know, but I felt compelled to be a part of that. I don't know why people are so butthurt about people offering their opinions about those kind of things. Even if they're enter entertainers or musicians, yeah. their opinions are just as valid as anybody else. And you don't have to listen. Yeah, you don't, don't listen to it. the song if you don't identify yeah. it, identify yeah. with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you also got to be pretty stupid if you base your entire belief system on what somebody else says, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that helps to inform your thoughts or opens your eyes to certain things or whatever, but it's, you know, one little piece of the puzzle of what, you know, you becoming you. 
Yeah, people don't like being challenged. Right. So, Especially when they think everything. Yeah. So, Brian, I want to ask you, we do this thing, and I'm going to put you on the spot here like we always do, but we do this thing called the Rad Dads, Bad Dads feature. So um, we ask you to kind of share with us a Rad Dad moment, uh, a time you're really proud um, as a dad. Could be anything, that blue ribbon kind of dad moment. And then maybe a time when it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. That's the, <laughs> the bad dad moment. I don't know if anything comes to mind. Usually most dads, it's their bad dad moment that really pops into their head right away. Um, you know, like Willow's not used to being disciplined. I hate to use the word discipline. But, um, we're getting a lot better at having her recognize her not so great behavior. And not necessarily having it a timeout situation, but just when she gets um, defiant and starts yelling at me, no, I'll pick her up and escort her into a room and say, I'll be in here in a few minutes and I'm going to close the door and you're just going to figure it out. She's all teary-eyed yeah. and her eyes, she has really big eyes. So it's like, Meh. and I feel so terrible about doing that. So that's always kind of like, a non-rad dad moment, but at the same time, I'm not doing anything to really, to really hurt her. And then I'll just come in five minutes later and just hug her. There's been a lot more hugging going on because she's, she's starting to change. You know, she's more emotional now. Um, I've yelled a couple of times and I feel really bad about that. You know, I mean, it's inevitable that that's going to happen regardless of what your kid is or, or what the situation is. Um, I've never done anything really super bad i guess so i i don't other than like um feeling bad about i know what it is actually every once in a while not too often but every once in a while the enormity of being a parent to a kid that's never gonna be on their own never gonna have a job on their own probably isn't gonna drive a car every once in a blue moon that will hit me and then i will I will get very weepy and teary-eyed and not really, not really feeling sorry for myself, but just recognizing that that is ultimately the reality. And even though that's the reality I made peace with like years ago, every once in a blue moon that the reality of that will hit me. So that's not very rad, but that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing I've done. That's just me. That's just me recognizing ultimately that, you know, I'm not going to be walking her down the aisle in, in uh, 15 years. Uh, you know, one of those things that you're supposed to do as a parent. I'm giving my daughter away. Right. And that's okay. But every once in a while, the enormity will hit me. Not often, but it does happen once in a blue moon. And then I'll, I'll be upset. And I think that's actually good. I, I think so too, yeah. I think it's good to recognize that, you know, not everything is going to be smooth. You know, not everything, you know, I'm not saying that she doesn't have a happy ending. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can to make sure, you know, that she's a happy little thing no matter what. But I think it's good to recognize the reality of that kind of situation. So that's probably the closest thing. But that's not even anything, that's not even actually anything I did. Um, maybe just kind of losing my cool and, and, and yelling at her. And she does not like that. And yeah. not like it happens a lot, but she's like... I'm not sure how disciplined she is when she's not with me, you know? Right. Um, 
but I know she's not a big fan of not getting her way, and not, and she's also not a fan of um, <laughs> being uh, yelled at, and she's kind of sensitive anyway, right. like her hearing. So that's happened a couple times, and I feel bad about that, but that's been pretty much it. As far as a rad moment, I think just my entire existence as a as her parent is a rad moment. I can't really, I can't really split it into, you know, into like some one moment. I just think, you know, I'm hard on myself. Right. I'm really hard on myself, you know, and I'm sure a lot of dads probably have lofty uh, ideas about what they should do and, and there can't be any weakness right. and maybe be the best dad I can. And, you know, you, you can't always achieve everything you want, you know, um, so that's where being hard on yourself and punishing yourself for being a human being comes into the equation. So I've learned along the way that when I get like that, you get too worked up about trying to be a great parent or thinking that, or thinking that I'm not a good parent yeah. sometimes. I think if you think that, then that means you probably are a good parent. Yeah. Having that but, insight, you know, right? Like trying to, to actually think critically about the way you're behaving and, and yeah. how you're feeling. Yeah. So now when the, so now when I have those feelings about not feeling as worthwhile about being a good parent, even though I know that's not true intellectually, I know that's not true, but you know, yeah. it's just part of my makeup. Um, what I do is during those moments, I just say, well, you know, you just got to give yourself a break. You know, you got to give yourself some slack sometimes, you know, you got to just let yourself off the hook once in a while, you know, there's no, Nobody gives you a guidebook when you're a parent. Yeah. No matter what, and you know you're you're going to make mistakes, and there's going to be good things and bad things, and that's that's just life. Life can't be all great and all bad all the time. So when those moments happen, and I'm being super self-critical and down on myself, I just say, I just got to give myself a break. Yeah. Because because you're worth giving yourself a break when you need it. We're humans you know? too. Like <laughs> parents, we're yeah. humans too, right? We make mistakes. We do things we yeah. regret that's life that's life i mean like and you know not everything is going to be perfect all the time so when things are less than perfect and you're feeling less than perfect you, you should still have enough self-love where you can afford to give yourself a break and, and just be like it's okay you know like I, I don't i don't have to have everything figured out right this second i can just give myself some slack here and just don't worry about it yeah yeah it's like, I don't know about anybody else that's a parent, but when you're feeling down about being a parent, I always notice that, at least for me, it doesn't last very long. It's just more like reckoning those moments and then actually expressing those opinions. Like, you know, like what I said about every once in a blue moon when I really get yeah. down, down, but when I just realize, oh, you know, my daughter's never going to be, you know, a so-called normal uh, daughter. You know, it, it's still important to recognize that stuff and not keep it bottled up. Well, we, so, you know, to have, yeah, to have a nice cry every once in a while is not a bad thing. No, I, I would agree with you. Like, what is that about parents? Is that like, wh why do we? I think we do this as humans, kind of in general too. But like, it's like comparing yourself to the Joneses or whatever. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it, it it's wanting to live up to some ideal of something that you know. It's funny. The more I talk to people 
no one's living up to that ideal, right? Like that situation. And, and I, you know, I also don't mean to minimize that, like you have a child with special needs. And so that's going to be very different from you or for you as compared with, with a parent of a child that doesn't have special needs maybe, but um, I think you, you totally nailed it that, you know, it's kind of that moment to kind of think about that and kind of feel sad about that or whatever, but then, okay, well, how do I get past this now? What do I need yeah. to do to get past it? And and so what what do what do you do to get past it? You talked about taking a break. What does that mean? Taking a break just means giving yourself some slack. It doesn't mean going on a vacation or doing or you know getting getting massively drunk or whatever. I just mean giving yourself permission to not be a perfect human being. Yeah. It's okay. Say that it's okay that you don't have all the answers right then and there, and it's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to be human being. And that's pretty much it. I don't mean like um, you know maybe go for a walk. I guess yeah. um, just something that will take you out of your your your, uh, your element. I mean, the one thing that's lucky for me and, and also for my partner and stuff is that we're both kind of like self-employed artistic, you know, weirdos that don't really <laughs> need to be around a lot of people, which is kind of good for the pandemic. And I still get the same excitement from drawing and creating that I did when I was in junior high school. You know, like back then, you know, it would be like listening to Cheap Trick and Aerosmith and drawing some horribly mangled drawing of some, you know, fantasy rock band. The drummer has 8,000 drums and amps and stuff. And listening to music and getting inspired by that. And that's what I do now at, at 55. I do the exact same thing. And it's still there for me. And I think that... I think having that is a big aspect of um, being able to take things more in stride. If you have something that you like to do, that you enjoy doing, no matter what happens, no matter who's in your life, no matter what problems you have, you know, whether it's music or writing or drawing or painting or whatever, some creative outlet that keeps you um, sane, I guess. <laughs> um that's a wonderful thing, you know. That's kind of like a gift, and uh, it, it's it's cool, you know, like having an elaborate hobby. I mean, it, obviously, this is far beyond a hobby at this point. Yeah. But um, I think having something that you like to do helps out with the other aspects of your life. It's like kind of like a balancing act. Yeah. You know? well, like, sorry, you know. yeah, Brian. Sorry to interrupt you. I, like, it gets back to that conversation we were having earlier about. Um, like just because you become a parent doesn't mean you have to give up everything that made you, you, (laughs) you know, and in fact, you're probably doing your child a disservice. I think this is my opinion, but if, if you do give those things up, right, like your kid wants to see you being you, you know, and, and so it helps everybody, I think. Oh, totally. Totally. Well, you know, like when, when we have Belle, uh, Kristen's daughter down here, I mean, I get to do little things with her that I can't do with Willow because she's a different person. And that includes geeking out over, you know, music, being kind of a smart ass to her, you know, like dancing. I have a drum set set up here, yeah. you know, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I know that she enjoys that stuff a lot. And her mom was certainly pivotal in uh, introducing her to the stuff that she just took to right away. I mean, it's not a lot of six-year-olds that are totally into Grant Hart and David Bowie. Yeah. That's really kind of weird. And they, very strange, you know. 
She doesn't really know about the fact that they're departed, though. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> yeah, that'll come later. <laughs> yeah, that'll come later, 10 years, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you're sharing something with these little people that's important to you, and whether they uh, pick up on it or not, you know, it's up to them. I don't know what Willow's going to guarantee. You know, she's an open book. You yeah. know, like, who knows what's going to happen? She's changing. Um, she's starting to do these little things like she organizes stuff. Yeah. Like in a Joey Ramone kind of way. Okay. You hear about Joey, Joey Ramone having OCD yeah. or whatever. And she started doing that this last year. You know, so it's like, it's really, even though I said what I think is going to happen to her, I really ultimately don't know. You know right. It's like an open book. You know. But, you know, with, with Belle, I can still do some of these other things with her as like her, you know, stepdad or whatever. So yeah. that's, you know, I still get that outlet, um, I guess. Yeah, no, that's cool. So Brian, what, what do you have on the go right now? What's next for you? You know, you said you're still working on art. Uh, you, so tell us about your book a little bit, maybe, um, cause that's fairly recent. Um, yeah. What's happening in your world right now, sort of art wise. Um, Okay, Pelicanesis is the name of the book company. They're based out of Claremont, California. This guy named Mark Givens uh, decided to take a chance on all this crap that I kept posting and said, oh, I think you have a book. And uh, I'm happy he did that. And um, it's based, Self and Punishment's the name of the book. And the theme is basically what it's like to um, be either completely self employed or partially self employed or just kind of used to the idea of trying to make things happen for yourself in non-traditional means as far as carving out a living. And a lot of the people in the book are probably people in my age bracket that used to be punk rockers or came out of that world, I guess. And, you know, um, you know, punk rock was always about, yeah, kids, youth, you're doing this stuff. And then when you kind of, I don't want to say you grow out of it, but when your initial peer group goes away and life happens, yeah. like, you still got to make a living and not everybody went to college. Not everybody knew what they wanted to do when they were 20 years old. So it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like this book where I just interview a bunch of people that are mostly very self-reliant about their trials and tribulations, successes, failures. And um, it's been out for a few months and I've seen some reviews. I don't think it's been reviewed that much, but I've read about four or five of them and, so far and they've all been pretty positive some people really liked it and uh, you know i think it's pretty cool you know um but it's available for 20 dollars through the pelicanesis website should be easy enough to remember yeah i just um, i just ordered my copy a couple of days ago so yeah, i you yeah. know it's funny i hadn't hadn't even realized it had come out so i don't know how i missed that but uh have it on the way but i'll i'll put a link um in the episode so people can kind of link direct to it Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, you know, like anything coming out right now, you know, unless you're like glued to a computer, how are you going to really know about every little thing? But um, anyway, so that came out okay. and uh, that was kind of a nice accomplishment. I don't really have any plans this year other than to stay alive and um, keep working and hopefully there'll be some other projects. I think there's a couple of things that might be brewing, but they're too... It's, it's too early of a stage to jinx yeah. them and talk about them now. But, um, you know, it'll probably be more freelance stuff for this year. Um, I'd like to play drums again. Yeah. Um, I've recorded a little bit of music with a friend of mine 
from last year, this guy named Mike Dean. He um, plays bass, has played bass for like a long time in this band, Corrosion and Performity. Yeah. And we were friends for a long time, and I think he had a bunch of ideas. And so he has a studio, and he just asked me, I guess I guess there was nobody else around, so he just asked me to <laughs> play drums. And, and uh, no, I, I think he thinks I'm a good drummer. I'm just I'm underselling yeah. everything. But uh, I think some of that will come out eventually. Um, nice. There might be a little music on the horizon. and Just, I don't know, just staying alive. No. No, uh, it's kind of hard to say about anything else at this point, but um, yeah, because your just, your work has historically been tied to a lot of music, right? And so that's a big question mark too. Yeah, well, I again, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm gonna be going out on the road. Um, I was really spoiled with the whole Melvin's experience. You know, I, it was overall a very nice experience. Um, so it's it's kind of doubtful that after that I'm going to be a career uh, road dog at 55 years old, you yeah. know, and because while I was changing and my life seems to be a lot more, uh, it, it seems more immediate that I need to be here more, even though that was only like two months out of the year, or maybe a little longer, you know, it's like, I kind of feel like I need to be here more right. than even that even that short amount of time. So, so where, um, where can people find you online, Brian, if they want to follow what you're doing? Okay. Well, uh, I'm on Instagram. That's probably the most no bullshit thing. I'm on Facebook. Um, it seems like these days that you don't even have to be a friend to see anybody's stuff on Facebook. So really anything I draw, I stick up on Instagram and Facebook. I have a Twitter account that I kind of, <laughs> I've ignored that because I just can't, I just haven't been able to make that work. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what people do other than, I think you have to be a comedian that hates Donald Trump to be successful. <laughs> it's um, a different vibe okay. altogether for sure on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, whatever, I don't, I don't like him either, but, um, you know, there has to be more, more than just not liking somebody sometimes. Yeah. You know, as, as much as that person might deserve it. And I have a website called brianwalsby.net that my friend Charles Cardello from Bifocal Media, he's sort of my business partner. All the t-shirts I've drawn for various bands, um, he deals with the business aspect of that. So he also designed my this website, but there's I can't control it as much as I would. So you can go there and buy some stuff, some books, some of um, the old Manchild books I did. Um, but I would even say for right now that you'd be better off just going to Instagram and punching in Brian Walsby. Okay. And uh, I answer my mail eventually. And uh, any inquirers, inquiries or whatever, um, I'm there. I mean, I'm, I'm a self-employed freelance person. So that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to, think i'm gonna keep doing for the foreseeable future and trying to stay alive nice yeah exactly yeah we're all trying to do that um yeah any any advice for dads out there brian maybe you know i'll, I'll leave it up to you but maybe um anything you want to sh share with respect to maybe even a having a special needs kid for dads out there that might be you know dealing with the same um situation um you know or general advice. yeah just give yourself 
give yourself some slack for not being perfect and reach out to other people to communicate if you, when you need to. Uh, I would maybe those two things, I, I think. Just, uh, you know, you're not alone. It might seem like it. You know, there, there's, there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to be able to relate to whatever you're going through. Yeah. Uh, whether you want to put that out there, you know, I, I, I realize, of course, you know, putting yourself out there is kind of scary. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of really cringeworthy moments, you know, like a lot of my old man child books are, I'm fine with what I wrote, what I did, as long as I don't have to reread it. Does that make, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. You know? So luckily I'm not important enough to somebody that they're going to like hold me to something I wrote and said or drew 20 years ago. I know for other people that that's definitely a reality. That's a concern. Um, so yeah, putting yourself out there and exposing yourself is, you know, it's tough. But um, if you're feeling down, just find somebody to talk to, and uh, you know, and, and and don't don't punish yourself too much for being a human being. As long as you, you know, if you're like a you know shooting heroin and, and drinking twenty forty ounces when you should be like watching your, your your child, then you're fucking up, and that's that's a completely different thing altogether. But if you, you know, I think most people know when they're doing a pretty good job at something because they doubt it. Yeah. So if you if you doubt that you know if you doubt what you're doing, you're probably doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah. So trust that instinct, right? And 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 connect with other folks. Yeah. Maybe. Connect. Yeah. And, and give yourself and give yourself a break. Yeah. When you have to, you know, it's like you don't give yourself a break. Meaning, let yourself off the hook. Yeah. If things aren't perfect at that moment, and you know, because you won't feel that way in 24 hours, and Tomorrow is always another day. Yeah, it's good advice. Does that make Does that, that make sense? Totally makes sense, Brian. I I really appreciate you stopping by and sharing your story and, and just chatting. It's oh, been, yeah. been super fun. And, uh, All right, that was Brian Walsby on the Rad Dad Show. I really want to thank Brian again for stopping by and joining us and uh, sharing his experiences. If you like this episode it would mean a lot to us if you drop a review on itunes and if you're looking for more rad dads content find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media on instagram you can find us at, at rad underscore dads underscore show and on facebook and twitter at, at rad dad show and now you can also look us up on youtube for some video interviews as well including this one lastly rad dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime, and in between time, stay rad.